0: This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to Murder Lab, the podcast where I dissect serial killers and analyze what I find. I'm excited that this is the first of a two-part episode about Dexter, which is one of my favorite shows. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that. I was thinking about doing this anyway, but since they are releasing a new episode of Dexter, I figure it's perfect if I do go ahead and do it right now. Basically, I have read all of the books. There are eight books. And I've watched all of the series, probably three times. So (laughs) I had already watched it like through twice, except season eight, because I hate it. So I watched season eight once. (laughs) The second time I went through, I just skipped it because I didn't want to deal with it. But when I knew I was going to be doing this, and I wanted to compare the show to the books, I went ahead and just rewatched the show and took notes and everything so I could catch all the details. And so I did rewatch season eight again. And there is a lot that happens in the books and the show. I was going to try to put it all in one episode, but it would be super long. So I'm going to focus on books one through four and season one through four. We'll do those, and then I'll do a second part where we do seasons and books five through eight and compare them and, and everything. As Igor said, we did have a death in the family. So that's part of the reason why there's been some silence from the murder lab area. Thankfully, Igor was able to put out an episode last week, so I'm very thankful that she's been helpful and don't know what I'd do without her. So things have been really hard, as I know it has with everybody at this time period, but this is, I've finally uh, jumped in here and I'm excited to cover this Dexter stuff, so let's just go ahead and get on into it. First, I'll talk about the book, and then we'll talk about the TV show and how they compare. Book one It establishes everything, which makes sense because it's the first book. And a quick note, I did not read any of the books before I saw the series. And of course, like some of the books were coming out while the series was on, I believe. So by the time I read the first book, I already had all the Dexter TV people in my brain. So book one establishes everything. We've got his need to kill... He wears a silk mask. He uses 50-pound fish line to strangle, you know, uh, to strangle people to get their attention to before he hauls them away to wherever he's taking them or whatever. He does use a needle. He wears double-layer gloves and overalls. He uses rubber sheets, white garbage bags, saws and knives, and a table with duct tape. He, quote, works on them, and he does collect blood slides. In the book, when they he says works on them— It doesn't go into details, but it's obvious he's cutting him and doing things like that, as, you know, hence the saws and knives. In the book, he's adopted and his parents are dead, so all of that is the same. They actually have a quote on page 24 of book one that is used in the show, and there's only one word missing from it, but I'll read it. There's something strange and disarming about looking at a homicide scene in the daylight of Miami. It makes the most grotesque killings look staged, like you're in a new and daring section of Disney World, Dahmerland. It's actually taken from the book. The only thing is the book adds antiseptic. It makes the most grotesque killings look antiseptic and staged. But it's kind of fun to see. I didn't go through and put every single single thing that was exactly the same because that's just too much. But that did catch my attention, and I remembered that from the book when I was watching the show. So it was kind of fun to see that they actually used some things from the book. The book introduces Deb, his sister, who works vice and is foul-mouthed and impatient. There's Camilla Fig, who's a 35-year-old lab rat. And it's not just that she's a fan of Murder Lab. She actually works in the lab with Vince. There's Vince Masuka, who is half Japanese and a big old pervert. Migdia LaGuerta is Cuban and flirts with Dexter. There is tension with Deb. Angel Batista, Captain Matthews, Rita, who is a the broken woman that he's dating. And she has the kids, Aster and Cody. And I'm doing this in order of how they're introduced in the book. Then we have Dokes, who is gruff and suspicious of Dexter. Then we have Harry, who is deceased dad, who was a cop and helped him set up the code. So those are all the, the players in the book for the most part. Now, what happens in the book is you start out with him killing a priest named Donovan who killed kids. Dexter dug up their graves Put the bodies inside this place and then kills Donovan and then buries him with the kids' bodies. You have a flashback of Harry talking about how Dexter killed the dog Buddy. And then they set up the whole training of Dexter to be an uncatchable serial killer. The main point of the book, though, the main protagonist, is there's a killer on the loose that is leaving cut up frozen bodies. They find a a body while he's on a date with Rita. He starts having out-of-body dreams that he's the killer. There is cell crystallization and a refrigerated truck involved. He has a dream, decides to go for a drive. He sees an refrigerated truck, and someone throws a head at the car. That leads to bodies at the ice rink that goes with the head. And there are bodies in the goalie nets. There's a rearview mirror, so everything's staged. They arrest a guy who works at the arena, and he confesses. His name's Daryl McHale. Dexter finds a Barbie head on his fridge, and then Barbie parts cut up with ribbon and a mirror. There is a dude named Jamie Jaworski who likes to kill 12 to 13-year-old girls, but first he um he films he puts their pictures up on the internet of uh, basically snuff things. He does steal copper from housing, then Dexter goes to work on him, a guard interrupts, the body's found and he had started cutting the body, so they thought it was a copycat because of the cut up bodies, you know. But since the dude was in jail that they thought did it, they figured it's a copycat. He had not had sex with Reedy yet, but they actually do have sex at this point. He remembers Harry's nurse and how she was killing Harry, and Harry asked Dexter to stop her. There's a point where Laguarda is trying to kiss Dexter, and he moves, and she falls down. He begins to wonder if he's doing it. Again, he's having those, those dreams of picturing what the murderer's doing. It doesn't help that then on the security cam footage of the ice rink, it looks like Dexter. There is another scene staged where there's a head with the rearview mirror. There's a second head that has, is on top of the bar, a body of a Barbie. And then there's a third head on a wall. There were no bodies, but they end up finding them elsewhere in the rink and they spell boo. So the killer has a sense of humor. Then Deb gets kidnapped and Dexter finds a Barbie in his car wearing a shirt with a clue on it, and it has Deborah's ring on it. So he was led to this storage facility. As he's going towards the storage facility, LaGuardia shows up because she's suspicious of him. He thinks he shakes her. He goes to the storage unit. Deb is there, you know, taped down, and it's the killer who turns out to be Dexter's brother, Brian. He starts to remember his being, you know, the born and blood thing. His mother bloody in a storage facility, and so then Laguarda happens in, shoots at Brian. Brian stabs her, and he runs away. Well, so Laguarda dies, and the bad guy gets away, and Dexter saves his sister, and she makes sergeant. But Deborah knows Dexter's secret. She actually witnessed their discussion, and so she knows what's up now. In the papers, he was known as the Tim Miami slasher. And Dexter keeps the blood slide, even though Brian is the one who killed her. You've probably uh, already caught on to some of the things that are the same and some of the things that are different. But just to go quickly through the characters, in the show, Deb doesn't have a lush figure, but she's got the exact same personality. Like, down to a T. So she fits perfectly as her, other than just that physical characteristic Camilla Figg, the 35-year-old lab rat, is not in the show at all. Vince Mazuka, he's basically the same as in the book. Migdia LaGuerta is basically the same, but she's named Maria. Angel Batista, they don't really develop, in the, develop him in the book, so he's just kind of like a guy that pops in and out here and there. But, you know, he exists in the book. There's Captain Matthews, who's just mentioned a few times in the book, but they really develop him more in the series. Rita, Astor, and Cody are basically the same. And Dokes. Has the same interaction. They're very, uh, when the first time we see Dexter and Dokes together, they have the, basically the same interaction. And throughout the whole thing with Dokes, he is, Dokes is basically the same as in the show. I think the casting was great on the show based on the people and the characters in the book. I think they did a great job fleshing all the characters out and keeping true to the ones that were developed some in the book. They stay pretty true to it, um, at least they're just their basic characters, and, and I think they do a good job of fleshing out, like, Vince and Angel and such. Now, the difference is, on the show, they do have Jamie Jaworski as one of the killers that Dexter kills. In the book, they have him, have that website of him abusing and killing young girls. On the show, it was a rape site of older women. So it's basically the same, but I kind of understand why maybe they didn't want to just always focus on the young girls aspect that you know it's still bad to rape and kill any age person he does still uh steal copper and stuff like that now as far as the killer in the show it is the refrigerator killer guy that's the same idea is there is a guy who is cutting up women and freezing them and that kind of thing in the show though they have the details like the nails on the barbie are painted and then at one point, there are fingertips and a block of ice where the nails are painted. In the show, the ice truck killer stages body parts and scenes from Dexter's life, which is not in the book. In the book, there's that scene where they ha- he has the other staging of heads on the bar- body of a Barbie and, and the body's shaped to spell boo. I get why they didn't put that in the show, because it might seem, it, it seems kind of lame, I guess, like if you see a boo I think it kind of trivializes a little bit on a TV show. In the book, I see where it, it shows that he's trying to have a sense of humor. But I understand on the show my, maybe why they didn't do that. And the, they really flesh Rudy out a lot more. So they have Rudy as an amputee doctor who gets involved with Deb and he stabs Angel. None of that happens in the book. Rudy doesn't hook up with Deb. He's not an amputee do- doctor. I don't, I don't remember if they really say what he does in the first book. And he doesn't stab Angel. In the book... He leaves Barbie in Dexter's car with Deborah's ring and clues, and that's not in the show. In the show, Rudy takes Deb to the, their childhood home, and then Rudy slash Brian runs away, and then Dexter kills him later. In the book, he takes Deb to the storage unit. He gets wounded, kills LaGuerta, the and then Deb knows Dex's secret and makes sergeant. And then, of course, the big glaring thing is in the show, he's called the Ice Truck Killer, and in the book, he's called the Miami Slasher. Ice Truck Killer is so much better. Sorry, um, I apologize. The author of these books are Jeff Lindsay. I just jumped right on in, assuming you knew what I was talking about. So Jeff Lindsay wrote the Dexter books. This first book is called D- Darkly Dreaming Dexter. So sorry, Jeff Lindsay, that Ice Truck Killer is a, is a cooler name. But, you know, it, it's all right. Now, as far as Dexter's concerned in the book versus the first season, he wonders if he's a killer and the dude on the security cam looks like him. So in the book... His brother looks a lot like him. That kind of leads you to, you know, wondering, oh, is he the ice truck killer or not? Sorry, the Tan Miami slasher or not? So in the show, obviously, it would be difficult to cast somebody that is a good actor that looked, you know, a lot like Michael C. Hall. I think that worked out fine, that they didn't have to do that angle. In the book, Dexter remembers his blood birth in the storage when Deb is taken captive. In the show, he first starts to remember when he is about to kill a therapist and then he remembers more after there's this bloody hotel room. My favorite and I think everyone <laughs> will, will remember very vividly that so in the book LaGuerta questions Dexter at the storage thing and is suspicious. In the show, Dokes surprises Dexter and you know, I'm sure you're all thinking it. Surprise motherfucker. Best line ever. That wasn't in the book. Overall, to compare book one to season one, there's a lot, th- a lot that is similar. The killer's basically the same. The main characters, they did add a few things, like the recurring character Camilla, the records office woman. She shows up throughout the season, the series, and she's not in the books. But that's that's another good device they use to try to help him get information about his dad and things like that. They do mention that Rita has an ex, but they mention him in passing and. In, And I don't think I don't remember that they ever gave him a name because I would have written that down. Jeff Lindsay mentions that Cody and Esther's dad had been abusive and messed them up and, and that he was no longer in their life. So in the show, though, they bring up Paul and he's Rita's ex. And as you know, he shows up and wreaks havoc on her life as she's trying to get her shit together. They bring him more into the episode. In that season, the people who were killed were Matt Chambers. These were all completely, these were not in the book. Matt Chambers, who was a hit and run killer that happens to be Sam from True Blood. There was Jeremy Down, a troubled teen that winds up killing himself. There was a coyote that was taking immigrants. It turns out it was a man and wife. So Dexter kills both of them and a little kid sees him. So then that added the, added the drama of, did the kid recognize him and will that out him? Then there's Emmett Meridian, the therapist that I mentioned earlier when he was in therapy, who happens to be the bad guy in Ghost and uh, gets his patients to kill themselves in the show. Situations they added to the show that weren't in the books. You have Dokes having an affair with another cop's wife You have Angel's divorce, and then Dex's real dad. That's not in the book at all. On to book two, Dearly Devoted Dexter. He loves his alliteration. In book two, it begins with Dexter's playing with the kids, and Doakes is following him, because Doakes is suspicious. Dexter finds this real estate guy named McGregor, discovers that he had killed kids on his boat. He found pictures of the kids that were killed, The guy had dumped their bodies in the Gulf Stream, and he had an accomplice. So he actually cuts off McGregor's fingers to tell him the name of the accomplice, and then he kills him. And he finds the accomplice's phone number in the boat. We have a flashback of Harry saying Dexter needs proof before he kills people. Cody, Astor, Rita, and Dexter are playing the hangman game, where you have the stick figure, and you have to put a body part if you miss the letter, and then if you have that whole body, the whole body... on the hangman, and you lose. They set that up, which is a nod to the killer. The killer in this book and the subsequent drama is that they find a guy whose all of his limbs have been amputated and he's still alive. It looks like a potato body. So that's a great visual. And I believe he even like cuts the tongue out so the person's just in agony and can't talk. They just scream. Well, it turns out that Dokes knew the guy and... These bodies start surfacing exactly the same, where their limbs have been amputated and they're still alive. Well, he leaves a word on the victim. So one of them was loyalty. One was POGUE, P-O-G-U-E. And uh, basically it's someone who sits behind a desk and orders around the real troops. And then one said honor. It turns out that the way that Dokes knows him is that he had been involved in special forces in El Salvador. And there was an alliance with Cuba— but it was a murky alliance, so things got messy and crazy. Well, then they wind up calling in one of Special Forces' big guns, Kyle Chutsky, who teams up with Deb to try to figure out who the killer is and find the killer. And Deb and him end up hooking up. Then Kyle's kidnapped. They go to send someone else from corporate, and that dude is found and turned into a the potato. Then the killer sends—well, he's not really—I guess he's not really a killer at this point. He's an amputee or amputer. He sends a finger with Kyle's ring on it to to Deb so she knows, okay, so he's being taken apart piece by piece. Then in an interesting twist, Dexter has the ring in his, like, coat pocket or something, redefines it and assumes it's an engagement ring. So then, of course, he's not going to be like, no, stupid. He goes along with it. So then they're engaged. A possible victim. There was a list of other guys that could be victims that were part of that special ops group. So one of the guys runs... Dexter and Dee are following him. Then a van is following them. The van hits their car. The car goes in the water. Deb ends up with a broken collarbone. And the bad guy gets away in a stolen car. There is a victim in the van. It's Frank the potato. And, of course, he was on that list of possible victims. They decide to use Doakes as a trap to try to catch the killer. Since Dexter's now engaged... Vince plans a bachelor party, and they decide, unbeknownst to everyone at the bachelor party, other than Dokes and Dexter, Dokes is going to be the trap. So they look like they're at this bachelor party. They're, the bachelor party is just insane because it's Vince. Dokes is taken, and Dexter is able to use this GPS, and then he finds this Gator Farm. He goes in expecting to find Dokes, but he finds Kyle, who had lost part of an arm and leg. But Dokes was not there, so Kyle gets saved minus a couple parts of limbs. Dokes is still missing. They discover that the amputer is Dr. Martin Henker. So then they narrow down the next possible victims. They eventually find the right place. And Doakes is there. Dexter gets caught. So Dexter's there, laying there. And he sees Doakes has lost his right foot, hands, and tongue. Doakes lost his right foot, both his hands, and his tongue has been taken out. And Dexter realizes the guy is playing hangman. And that's why the words are there. So there was loyalty, pogue, and honor. Those were all like the hangman. He would cut off limbs for the letters and things like that. Doakes' word was going to be treachery. But Kyle and Deb come save the day. And they save Dokes from more hangman. And they save Dexter. Dexter is able to kill McGregor's accomplice from the beginning of the book. And then also in the book, Cody and Dexter go fishing and Cody stabs a fish. So that hint, that hints is Cody possibly sociopathic or psychopathic? Is he on the same path as Dexter? Rita's neighbor's dog goes missing and they suspect Cody. So that's setting up a little interesting layer there. Season two of the show, I'm sure none of that sounded familiar to you. That makes sense because that's not it wasn't in the show. The only thing that's the same, really, is that Dokes is following Dexter around. But in the show, Dexter takes up bowling. The similarities in other seasons, though. So there are things that seem like they are nods to this book. Like in season one, the janitor has parts of him being cut off while he's alive, which is similar to the amputating doctor. And then also in book two, Deb's boyfriend gets kidnapped and partially amputated. Well, in season three, Deb's boyfriend Anton gets kidnapped and wounded by a dude. Season one, Harry needs proof for a code. So the code thing is still maintains throughout the series. In season one, they do mention Dokes was in some special ops, but they have it in Haiti in the show and not El Salvador like in the book. Dex's bachelor party is not like in the book when he finally does have one, which we'll get into later. Season two, Dex follows a guy who killed his mom To a cabin in a swamp, and that's where he ends up keeping dokes. In the book, Dex uses GPS to try to find dokes at a cabin, but finds Kyle instead. So really, that's just, there's a cabin in a swamp. That's the reference in the book and in the show. I guess the writers probably didn't need Lindsay to help them figure out to use a cabin in a swamp in Florida. But, you know, there you go. Season two, a woman is killed special ops style, and dokes has to confront another special ops guy. So you see the special ops thing that kind of flows through. And then season eight... Deb and Dexter do end up in a car in the water when Deb tries to kill them both. And in the book, it happens during a bad guy chase. So what does happen in season two of the show? I'm sure you know, or else you wouldn't be listening to this, but I'll recap. Season two, the kills of the season are Lil Chino, the drug dealer, the car dealership guy who actually happens to be from the episode in Seinfeld from the race in school. And he asked to re-race him. I'm always excited when I see people who were in Seinfeld episodes. And then he kills a man that killed his mom. Main theme for season two is that Dexter's kills start surfacing and everyone's looking for the Bay Harbor butcher, which introduces Lundy. And I love Lundy and sets up the whole thing with Lundy and Deb and their relationship. Then there's also a major plot with Dexter's addiction, which Rita thinks is to narcotics. So he starts going to Narcotics Anonymous, which introduces Lila to the show And at some point, we get Rita's mom visiting. Who is the mom from Poltergeist? Again, I get excited when I recognize people from other things. In the course of Dex's relationship with Lila and the Narcotics Anonymous, he remembers the men who killed his mom. He finds out that Harry killed himself. So there was a lot of things that happened to him emotionally during that thing. Well, then, of course, Lila is dangerous. So he tries to get away from her, and then, of course, Angel, Lila uses Angel to try to get to Dexter, which leads to Lila blowing up the cabin and killing Dokes, and, of course, his last words were, motherfucker. And, indeed, I'm sure that he was surprised when he blew up. Then Dexter kills Lila. Dokes gets framed for the butcher, Bay Harbor butcher killer thing, and Lundy leaves because his job is done. There's a subplot of Laguerta having to deal with the new boss, Esme. And you see uh, that at the end, she winds up getting her job back. In this season, Dexter starts using the Gulf Stream to get rid of his bodies, which is interesting because in book two, he starts using the Gulf Stream. When he is looking into the McGregor, the guy that he kills, he says he kept a 26-foot cabin cruiser at Matheson Hammock Marina, which was relatively close to his house. The boat would also be an extremely convenient playpen, a way to get his little chums off alone on the bounding main where he would not be seen or heard while he explored, a real Columbus of pain. And for that matter, it would provide a splendid way to dispose of the messy leftovers. Just a few miles out from Miami, the Gulf Stream provided a nearly bottomless dumping ground. No wonder the boys' bodies were never found. The technique made such good sense that I wondered why I hadn't thought of it to recycle my own leftovers. Silly me, I only used my little boat for fishing and riding around the bay. Book one, they never mention where he puts his bodies. Book two, they still don't really say where he kept them, but he starts using the Gulf Stream. So in the show, in season two, they talk about, well, he was, I guess, just dropping them off wherever, but now he starts using the Gulf Stream because they got onto him as the Bay Harper Butcher. So both in season two and book two, He starts using the Gulf Stream. So that's another major thing from the book to the show. Let's talk about dokes. In the book, he loses body parts. And in the show, he dies by season two. The thing that I noticed is that in the first book, it just says that he lost his right foot. And I read through it a couple times to see if I missed something. And maybe it's someplace down the line. I didn't look closely enough, but I've read the book twice. I don't know. It seems to me like he just lost his right foot. But by book two, he says that Doak's lost had lost both of his feet. I don't know. He loses his hands, apparently his feet, and his tongue. So that's kind of fucked up. So in book two, he's alive. And in the show, he's not. So that's kind of an interesting thing that happens there. Of course, we have LaGuardia, who is dead in book one. And now she's she's still alive in season two. So it's always interesting to see who ends up surviving and who does it and how they develop the characters versus the books and the shows. Deb, in the books, so far she's been kidnapped, survived, made sergeant, and she has an amputated boyfriend. In the show, she was engaged, was kidnapped and survived. And she's in homicide instead of vice. So she still got promoted. And she's trying to get over the ice truck killer thing. In the book, Rita is engaged. In the show... They have Paul showing up and then going back to the jail and Rita being possibly suspicious of Dexter being involved. And then she had to deal with the whole addiction and Lila thing. In the book, she's uh, doing far better than in the show. <laughs> Overall thoughts on season two. I love Lundy and the Bay Harbor Butcher thing. I was really surprised when they had him almost getting caught in the second season. I would expect that to be like, what, season four or five that they would build up to that, that it would take a while. It was really like shit. You know, they're just really they are not holding anything back. They're just going to go there. And, you know, part of me remembers thinking, like, where are they going to go from there? But I think they handled it really well. I love Lundy. Don't like Lila. I know we're not really supposed to. And it's one of those moments when you're watching it and there's a part of you that gets why he's attracted to Lila because, you know, the addiction thing. And then there's a part of you that's like, Whoa, she's just, eh, you know, you're kind of like, I don't really get why he's with her. But you know what? That's like real life. There's plenty of people that I'm like, why the hell is he with her? Or why the hell is she with him? And there's a part of you that's like, well, I guess I kind of see it. And part of you are like, I don't. So that's actually like life. And it, it was uh, interesting to see how they brought the addiction ad- the addiction aspect to it. I liked seeing them work through that and, and show how that effect, affects everything and, and develop that a little bit and give you things to think about. It was nice to see Rita growing. And they did flesh her out more in the show than in the book. Because, you know, which makes sense. In the book, it's more about Dexter than anyone else. And in the show, you have a lot more space to work in a way. So I see why they had her being able to put her foot down and be- become a little stronger. And and it makes sense in the um, path of the show. Finding out that Harry killed himself did add another element, along with Dexter remembering the guys who killed his mom. I like that they're adding layers like that. Then also the subplot of LaGuerta and Esme, it shows more aspects of LaGuerta and you start to think, OK, well, maybe she is a human. Maybe she does have depth of feeling. And and then you find out that she was uh, fucking Esme's boyfriend and making her crazy so she would lose her job. So you realize, oh, LaGuerta's conniving and self-serving. But it's still, it it's interesting to see how they, you know, you were going through the nuances of LaGuerta's character and it just added a nice little thing in there, I guess. So far. Season one pulled me in, and season two sets up Lundy, which leads to my favorite season. Book three, which I also know as what the shit is happening. There's normal stuff, like Rita wants to go to Paris for a honeymoon. He moves in with Rita. He has his own study, but he still keeps his apartment. Vince is his best man. He has things to worry about, like his caterers and like the caterer for his wedding and who happens to be a famous guy named Manny Bork. He meets Rita's minister. So you have all this wedding stress and things. So that's, you know, it's a pretty normal thing. Then you have what's normal for Dexter. He kills Alexander McCauley, who had been killing hobos. He's trying to keep Cody and Aster at bay. So we learn in, by book three, that apparently Aster is also displaying aspects of maybe becoming a psychopath or a sociopath so he's got both of them that want to start killing at one point in the book Rita finds Cody and Aster had taped a cat down and Dexter's trying to keep it from Rita so he can because he's trying to be like the Harry to them you have those things happening and you see if there's a flashback where he had taped a bully to a desk and got caught <laughs> and then Harry in the book Harry has him meet a serial killer who got caught to try to really strike it home to him how important it is not to get caught. Which I kind of wish, in a way I kind of wish I would have seen that on the show, but I guess it's not like a, a big deal. Now, onto to the weird shit. It turns out the Dark Passenger is basically Moloch, who is like an ancient god thing, and it goes through, part of the book he goes through as the voice of Moloch or this entity That started at the beginning of time and gets into how he gets into creatures and starts to he finds that he can control them and then it goes into people. And then so that kind of explains where there is there is an outside force that comes in and controls certain people. And but then I guess it's kind of like I think the way to think about it is the idea of unity On Rick and Morty or on Futurama, there's that octopus thing. It's kind of the idea where you have one main thing and then it can like stretch out and put pieces of itself into other things and control them. I guess that's a good way to think of it, which is it's interesting, but it's not what I expected at all. And I I like to explore interesting concepts and different ways of thinking. But this just felt... I don't know. It just felt like too much. Like, I don't want to... It's interesting to think that there's something that is in Dexter that's controlling him, but I think it's it's a little anticlimactic than if you have the complexity of character. So if you have... I have this thing that is part of me, that is me that is doing these things. And I have to control that. I have to figure that out. Where did that come from? It's something that got warped inside of me. I think that's a little more complex and interesting than saying something is literally taking over my body. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm also not as into exorcist types, um, demon possession type horror movies as I am into other types. Anyway, so personally, it was a little strange to me and it went to weird places, as you'll see. Maybe you won't think it's as strange as I did. Maybe you'll love it. So he discovers that his dark passenger is actually related to this old god, ancient god figure type thing. So his dark passenger freaks the fuck out because it senses this bad thing is closer to them. And so it leaves. So he doesn't have his dark passenger anymore. So he's flailing around. He doesn't know who the hell he is without his dark passenger. There are students that go missing and turned up killed. There are bodies burnt that have a ceramic bullhead in place of their heads they find heads on this gate a professor suspected he blames another professor dex realizes he's being followed he goes to visit his caterer and then his caterer is killed by someone it turns out it was killed by a college guy who was then found killed and you find out that this moloch entity is just bouncing around from person to person like making them do things and then running away i don't know it's some bad shit and there's a official babaloe babalao where In the book, the city actually has, like, someone who's familiar with voodoo and all the different religions like that. And as soon as he takes a look at one of the the bodies, he's like, I'm out. (laughs) So even the guy who knows a lot about voodoo and can handle some shit is just like, I'm out. It's not a conventional thing happening. So who the fuck's going to help the problem? Well, there's a point where Dexter, like I said, he doesn't know who he is without his dark passenger. And he tries to kill one of the people to try to get some information. And he can't. Then he's like, well, fuck, I can't even kill people now. The thing that's taking over people's bodies, like, takes him over. He goes into a trance, goes to an island. His kids disappear. They had taken the kids to this island, and they were trying to— I don't know, there's this whole, like, cult that's all into this, and they're going to sacrifice him and the kids and some shit. So he winds up saving the kids and then being able to go get married, and the dark passenger comes back at the wedding. Wrap your mind around that one. I don't know if I did it justice to how odd it is. You really have to read it to get— I I don't know there are moments when I'm like I don't know (laughs) what is happening Deb isn't really she's in the book but nothing really major happens to her so I really don't even I just remember her like in passing popping in and out and being annoying and making Dexter do things and and then she's still dating Kyle Chutsky who had some of his limbs amputated and uh, he's in it a few times but not a whole lot dokes comes back (laughs) this is uh I think this is the most interesting part of the whole book Just this part, I think it makes the whole book worthwhile because it just, it's nothing that I expected. So they're all in a meeting at the police station and they're just having their discussion. Well, all of a sudden they start hearing a clump sound coming closer to the room, a big clump, clump, clump. Somebody in the room muttered, holy sweet Jesus, with a kind of reverent horror that was always guaranteed to pique my interest it was indeed low-budget horror, Night of the Living Dead, but in the flesh and not a movie at all. Because standing in the doorway, just to my right, staring at me, was a man who was really supposed to be dead, Sergeant Dokes. Sergeant Dokes still held the department record for bench press, but he did not look like he would defend his record anytime soon. He was gaunt and, except for the fire smoldering behind his eyes, he looked almost weak. He stood stiffly on his two prosthetic feet... His arms hanging straight down by his sides, with gleaming silver things that looked like a complicated kind of vice grip protruding from each wrist. So he's got metal hands and prosthetic feet. And I don't know. It's the metal hands is the thing that kind of throws me off. And if you'll notice, it does say feet. That he has prosthetic feet, not foot. But anyway, so we've got Doakes is like, uh, yeah. But they removed Dokes The fact that Doakes' tongue was removed really kind of sucks because he was setting up to be a pretty fun character. But that's okay because we have him in the show. So it's it's okay that happened and it does add an interesting element to, to the book to have him with metal hands and no tongue. And he gets a little more interesting as you'll see as we move forward. The book overall, it was weird but kind of interesting it was nice to see they had some usual Dexter, Dexter interactions. So like with a caterer and things like that, you had your rye Dexter wit and things like that. So having Dexter in it at all helps make it better. So that was made it worthwhile. I kind of like the idea of the kids being possible budding serial killers for the book. But I, I understand. I don't think that it would have worked as well in the show. As far as being similar to the show in any season... Though there are little tiny things. Like after he he kept his apartment after moving in with Rita. So that was the same in the show as in the book. In season two, he couldn't kill a voodoo priest. And in the book, in this book, he couldn't kill a guy. So there was where he kind of felt like he lost his mojo in the, in the show. So that's the, ser- that's the only thing I could really find very similar with that. The closest thing to the re- religious cult stuff is season six with the book of re- Revelation Murders. But that goes... In kind of a different direction, but it's still, you know, you have like a religious cult type thing. In season three of the show, we have Freebo kill some women. Dexter's going to kill him, but there's another attacker there. So he accidentally kills the attacker. It turns out the guy is the DA's brother. So this is where we meet Miguel. And Miguel becomes buddies with Dexter. Miguel figures out that Dexter killed a guy on a cruise ship because... Miguel wasn't able to prove the guy had done something, and so Dexter kills him, and Miguel figures it out, and he's excited. In the meantime, Laguarda befriends Ellen, which is Miguel's nemesis, and Dex lets Miguel kill a football player. Well, then Miguel gets all full of blood, and his blood gets all hot and bothered, so he goes and kills Ellen. So you start to see where, at first, Dexter thinks that he's gonna have this great relationship with someone that who gets him, and then you see it start to veer wildly away. Miguel is the focus of the season, But the killer is the flayer. Bodies start to show up with pieces of skin missing. They introduce Quinn into the show, who is a made-up character. He's not in the books, as neither is Miguel or Ellen. Then meeting Quinn introduces us to Anton, who is Quinn's informant, who becomes Deb's boyfriend. And then Deb's boyfriend, Anton the informant, gets kidnapped. Deb and Quinn go to save Anton, but the bad guy gets away. At some point in all of this madness, Dexter does get engaged on purpose. It wasn't that Rita just found someone's ring and assumed. He legit engages. Vince plans the bachelor party, which is similar to the book. So you have Miguel is actually his best man in the show, but Vince plans a bachelor party just like Vince plans it in the book. Although the parties are are different. Miguel hires a flayer to get to Dex because Dex and him have a big falling out because they don't have a meeting of the minds on the whole code thing with killing. And by this point, Dexter decided he didn't want Miguel to be his best man. And he makes Deb his best man. (laughs) So during their argument, I just like this little exchange is Miguel says, I accept you like a brother. And Dex says, I killed my brother. So then, then Dexter gets kidnapped by George Washington King, the flayer. And that's not his real name, obviously. Then, but Dexter kills him. No one knows it happens. And then he's able to make it to his wedding on time. Some other stuff that happens in the season. Angel gets a promotion. He propositions a prostitute who turns out being a cop. And then they wind up going out. Dex kills a creepy dude who was hitting on Aster. And it turns out he was a pedophile. Camilla is in the hospital and wants him to bring her... And mentions that she would love to have the best key lime pie. Dexter is trying to find a, the best key lime pie. And then she asks him to kill her out of mercy. And he does. Deb makes detective. And Rita is pregnant. Overall, I like seeing the development of Dexter and Miguel's relationship. And how it winds up going askew. As well as seeing La- Laguarda's path. How she had been long time. She had dated Miguel. And they had been longtime friends. And... To see the different sides of justice and the views of what is justice coming from Ellen and Miguel and then seeing LaGuardia being stuck in the middle of that and getting involved with Ellen, you know, uh, trying to help figure out what's going on then figuring out that Miguel killed her friend. I like the flair thing. There is actually in Mindhunter, so he is a landscaper in the show and one of the ways that they could tell they narrowed it down is because the trees had all been trimmed at the house of the victim. So that's one way they found him. And in Mindhunter, in the book, in real life, they figure out that there was a guy who had just trimmed a tree and the tree was trimmed so near where a girl had been killed. So that's one way they found him. So it's kind of interesting when you see real things that pop in there, whether they're meant to be or not. I liked that aspect. I think it was interesting having her Anton kidnapped and all that. The ways that they keep humanizing dexter helping you keeping keeping you empathizing with dexter regardless of the fact that he's a serial killer is him helping camilla trying to make her last moments comfortable and then having mercy on her and trying to help her go in a way that she wanted and then offing the creepy pedophile pedophile so there are things in there that are still keeping him where you like him and, and keeping him in a good light we'll do a quick character check dokes in the book we have what the fuck he has metal hands, prosthetic feet, and no tongue. Of course, we know in the show he's Deed. LaGuerda is dead in book two, but she's alive in season three, so good for her. Deb, in the book, she's still with uh, Kyle, who's her boyfriend who had some limbs amputated. In the show, her boyfriend is slightly flayed, and she becomes detective. In the book, Rita is planning her wedding. Cody and Aster are possible sociopaths. And in the show, she's pregnant and engaged. So I guess it's about pretty even then. Now, on to the last book we're going to cover and season we're going to cover for this part. We've got book four, which is Dexter by Design. And I call it Dude, You're Weird. But it's kind of fun in a fucked up way. And just the opening of the book, I think, will kind of explain why I'm saying this. So their honeymoon in Paris, they see an exhibit called Jennifer's Leg. And they're basically showing someone cut off chunks of their own leg until there's just like a bone there. And that kind of sets the precedent, precedent for the whole thing. There's also other fucked up exhibits at the same art thing that has to do with people like taking off parts of their own body and being, being alive while doing it and showing the progress of taking chunks of flesh off your own bone. I think she actually ended up taking the whole leg off. So there's that. The thing that was happening in this book is they start to find bodies that are displayed. They're like obviously put into little scenes. So there's one with tourists that their body cavities are opened and it shows and they have different touristy things in them. There's a guy with flowers all around him and like really grotesque things. Then there's um, in the restaurant, basically... The man's chest had been removed and the cavity emptied out of all the natural and awful stuff that should go in there. It was now filled instead with ice, bottles of beer, and what appeared to be a shrimp cocktail ring from the grocery store. His right hand was clutching a fistful of Monopoly money and his face was covered with a a glued on plastic mask. So there's that. Those are the, the kind of scenes that you, uh see with these murders in the book it turns out though that the bodies were taken from a morgue so they weren't actually killed someone took them from the morgue and staged them and then they started sending ads to the visitors bureau and like more more things like this and basically they're fucking with the visitors bureau and they have a problem with all the tourism and shit so there's a crazy dude going around trying to fuck with tourism basically deb and dex are out trying to find leads on things turns out Dexter's with her and he's sitting in the car. Well, she ends up getting stabbed and some dude runs away. So Dexter thinks that it's this one dude that stabbed Deb. The guy gets released. So Dexter kills him in a tub. And it turns out it's this dude's boyfriend. The dude they went to check out, Brandon Weiss, was apparently going out with Dushavik. I don't know. And Dexter kills a guy. So Dexter doesn't know that Weiss was Weiss's boyfriend. He just kills a guy because he thinks that he stabbed his sister, who is now like in a coma in the hospital. So now Weiss has a focus of Dexter. And Weiss, of course, is the guy who's doing all these displays and doesn't like tourism and shit. In the meantime, Deb has a new partner named Coulter. And Coulter thinks that two guys were involved with the whole thing. And he suspects Dexter. Weiss emails Dexter a video of Dexter sawing up the dude in the tub and then he finds a youtube channel showing dexter killing others so dexter's obviously he could be incriminated in things and weiss is making it personal because cody joins the cub scouts and cody's scout leader is killed and displayed so he follows dexter follows a lead to this guy named kenneth wimble and the house blows up with kenneth wimble in it so okay deb comes out of the coma but she's feeling hopeless Weiss tries to take Dexter's kids and ends up, I think, ditching the car. So Dexter finds a notebook that shows these images and this plan of how he's going to frame Dexter. The FBI starts to ask questions because obviously if a dude tries to take your kids and no, the FBI didn't see that notebook. But, you know, they're asking him. There's a lot of crazy shit's going on. So he has so he's under a lot of uh, heat. Coulter's up his ass. The FBI's up his ass. He winds up asking Kyle for help, and they figure out that the dude is going to stage his framing of Dexter in Cuba at this art exhibit thing. He sends a video to Dexter where he's kidnapped Rita, and Coulter sees. So Dex and Coulter wind up at this art exhibit where the guy has an art exhibit set up where it looks like performance art or something where Rita is on a, like, on a table and she looks like she's about to get killed, but people think it's just art. And then it ends up that the bad guy gets killed and Dexter's okay and Coulter gets killed so he can't say anything that he suspects Dexter of anything. So it's uh, interesting the way things all pan out. Again, it's kind of weird, but intriguing to see the way that he <laughs> comes up with things. Other things that happened in the book, Rita's worried about Cody they encourage Cody to join the scouts. That's why he becomes a scout, cub scout. It does a flashback of Dexter killing Buddy, the neighbor's dog. They show one of his dad's co-workers, a fellow cop, visits them and he wants to kill someone. And that kind of shows, again, more seeds of like Harry using Dexter as a weapon as, for good instead of bad. Dex's mom loves key lime pie in the book. They do a flashback of Harry dying. Kyle in the book mostly just stays at the hospital. So he's he stays at the hospital and then he goes to Cuba with Dexter. So he's in a, a little bit. And Doak starts using a device to speak. And I think, I just, I don't know. So he has this device to speak and he's supposed to push these buttons. So Dexter's only on an elevator with him. And he brought up a small silver thing about the size of a hardcover book. He flipped it open to reveal that it was a small handheld computer or PDA, and still without looking away from me, he jabbed at it with his claw. Put it on my desk, said a disjointed male voice from the PDA, and Doak snarled a little more and jabbed again. Black with two sugars, the voice said, and he poked again. Have a nice day, it said really a very pleasant baritone that should have come from a happy and pudgy white American man instead of this glaring, dark cyborg so bent on revenge. But at last he finally had to look away, down to the keyboard of the thing he held in his claw, and after staring for a moment at what was clearly a cluster of pre-recorded sentences, he found the right button. "'I'm still watching you,' said the happy baritone voice, and the cheerful and positive tone should have made me feel very good about myself, but the fact that it was Doke saying it by proxy was somehow, somehow spoiled the effect.' That's very reassuring, I said. Would you mind watching me get off the elevator? For a moment, he thought he did mind, and he moved his cloth to the keyboard again. But then he remembered that it hadn't worked out too well before to poke it without looking, so he glanced down, punched a button, and looked up at me as a cheerful voice said, Motherfucker, in a tone that made it sound like jelly donut. But at least he moved it aside slightly so I could get by. Thank you, I said. And because I'm sometimes not a very kind person, I added, And I will put it on your desk, black with two sugars. Have a nice day. I stepped past him and headed down the hall, but I could feel his eyes on me all the way to my cubicle. So, (laughs) jokes with a PDA that has pre-programmed sentences is um, interesting. And I do really like that they still programmed it so he could say, motherfucker. Oh, and then there's another moment where he speaks to him. Basically, he says, move it, motherfucker. Dokes's cheerful, artificial baritone voice called out as he stabbed his claw three times at the keyboard of his little silver box. And then he's supposed to come in the house. Dexter says he shouldn't come in the house because the children are scared of him. And Doakes' response was, Motherfucker. Sounding like he was ha- happily calling out, Howdy, neighbor. So they make him wait outside. And the last thing that he says to him in this passage is, I'm still watching you, motherfucker. So that's still fun still a fun interaction for Dokes there, even though he can't literally speak. I like how they make it so it's in a cheerful voice on this PDA, but it's certainly different. Another thing that happens in the book is Rita is pregnant. As for the book, it was intriguing to see how the displays played out and then became personal to Dexter because he killed that guy's boyfriend. So it was interesting to see how that kind of twist and turned. The end scene is creative, and I'm okay with going on an eccentric adventure. Uh, dokes is still weird to me but it is kind of nice to have something odd and maybe a little lynchian but he is a better character in the show now as far as keeping dexter where you like him is he cares for his sister and his family you know since his kids were almost kidnapped and he's getting married he got married and everything and then he's got that dry wit that is refreshing in the show there are only a few things that are similar to the show from the book in Season 7, Dexter does kill a dude's boyfriend, and the dude seeks revenge. So obviously we'll get more into Season 7 in the next episode, but that is definitely something that is pulled from the book, although it feels like it's a bigger deal in the show than the book. Um, I think there are other things to focus on in the book that kind of takes away from that, but, but that's definitely motiva- a motivator for the bad guy in the book. In the previous season, Camilla wants a good key lime pie. In the book, it's Dexter's mom who loves key lime pie. So it's those little details sometimes that they tie in that are kind of nice to have that ground it a little more and give it a little more real reality, I guess. In the book, Cody gets into the Cub Scouts, but in season four, he goes into the Young Sailors Club, which I'm about to tell you about. Season four is also known as my favorite. It has John Lithgow as the killer of the season. And he does kill it in a good way. It brings Lundy back. So we got John Lithgow, we got Lundy, and the Trinity killer. Dexter has his son at this point, Harrison. Dexter kills a boxer and then gets into a car accident. And there's drama about whether he hid the body well enough or not. They bring up the vacation murderers. And I think it's funny that there is a suspect named Johnny Rose. I had not seen... Shit's Creek. At that point, it might not have been out by then, but anyway, now that I've seen Shit's Creek and the suspect is Johnny Rose and the Vacation Murders, it's slightly amusing. Quinn starts dating a journa- journalist, named Christine. Deb is still with Anton, but then Lundy comes back, so then there's that like confusion, and then of course they hook up and they both get shot, and Lundy dies, which I'm not very happy about, but I understand why it happened. Dex starts hanging out with Trinity and his family, one of my favorite lines that's just so perfectly... Lithgow just handles it so well. And it's just, when they're eating this Thanksgiving Day lunch, it's supposed to be this perfect little family scene. They're having nice conversation, and then it starts to get a little messy. And he says, shut up, cunt, to his wife over Thanksgiving Day lunch. And maybe that... Is the most realistic part. Maybe other families. That is how their Thanksgiving Day lunch goes. So maybe that is how you, all of your holidays go. But it was just it was just a perfect little moment. And I love John Lithgow. And I just love how he, they threw that in there. And it just showed a perfect encapsulation of what their life was like. It turns out Trinity is Christine's dad. That she shot Lundy and Deb. And made it look like the Vacation Killers. And he didn't know that she did it. He winds up being a dick, and she kills herself. Deb realizes that Dexter's brother is the ice truck killer, and then Dex sends Rita and kids away for their honeymoon. Dexter kills Trinity, and then it turns out Trinity had killed Rita, and Dexter hadn't known. So those are the major things that happen. Some other stuff that happened in the season. Angel and Laguarda were married. There is the whole community watch thing where, where Dexter gets swept up in the community watch and then he finds out the person who has been vandalizing things is the neighbor's dad and Dexter finds out that Rita kissed the neighbor and he punches him and stuff like that. Side note, I mentioned that I like seeing people from Seinfeld and other things. The security guard at a building that Trinity is scoping to kill someone in, he was the driver on Seinfeld where Elaine pretended to be dead. Just a footnote. Dexter gets rid of his apartment and gets a shed, but then after Cody falls through the, the skylight, he winds up getting a shipping container instead. Dexter leaves on a field trip with Cody to kill a dude. So this is actually like Dennis Rader did this. D- Dennis Rader was a Boy Scout leader. They went on a on a camping trip. He snuck away while everyone was sleeping and he killed a woman and then came back. So that's another thing where I don't know if they did that on purpose, but that, that is something that Dennis Rader did. Dexter makes a comment about faking his own death when they're talking about how they would end things. I think he's talking with Trinity about what they would do to end things. I don't remember exactly, but he, he does say something about faking his own death. And that is important when you think of season eight and the ending of it. Overall, it is my favorite my favorite season. I love John Lithgow. I love everything they do with it. I love the dynamic of Lundy looking for... Trinity and everything that happens with Dexter struggling with who he is and seeing how Lithgow's character is and it's just um it's just a fantastic season and it's my favorite and I love it. I did cry like you wouldn't believe when Rita was killed the first time I watched it. <laughs> and it got a little e- a little easier the next two times I watched it. It was still difficult because I think I did like Rita. I think that you know she had her moments, I guess, but overall I think she was good. She was a good character in the show and so they were good at making you empathetic and really feel that when she was killed and taken away from him. A way that they still humanize Dexter, even though he's a serial killer is he punched a guy for kissing his wife. So that's a, a very human thing. And it shows that he has depth of character and that he has feelings for his wife. So he want, feels possessive over her and he wants, you know. So I think that helps humanize him some. Growing to become a family man, he's getting more involved with his kid's life. And then just really that whole thing with the Trinity killer and getting, seeing all the aspects of that and how he, what he learns from that and his struggle with that really helps to get you to empathize with him and still like him. Through everything, And it's important because when you have a, a, a series about a serial killer and you want that character, character character to be likable, it's very important that you have things in there that make him likable. And I think they're really good at doing that with this show. Maybe not as much in the books, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll get to that in the next episode. So quick character check. We've got Dokes in the book. He use, uses a device to speak. He's in a few scenes in books three and four. On the show, he's still dead. Guerra in the book, she's still dead. On the show... She has a friend who's thought to be a serial killer that she doesn't think was. She got a promotion through shadiness. Her friend was killed by another friend, and she married Angel. Deb, in the book, she was stabbed in a coma and then depressed when she comes out of it. In the show, she made Detective. Her boyfriend was flayed. Lundy comes back, is killed, and she's shot. So I'd say she's probably about the same in the book than in the show. Probably a little bit worse off in the show. Rita, in the book, she had her kids kidnapped. She gets married, and she finds out she's pregnant. In the show, she has a baby and is killed. So there you go. So that is books one through four and seasons one through four. As you can see, really the first season is the only one that stays consistent with the books. And I think that's fine. I'm glad that they had Look Weird to Live in the show and they didn't do those weird things that dokes in the show. And that they didn't make the kids serial killers in the show. I think that the way that the show's path went is... Good and But I think that the books doing it their way makes it interesting as well. In the next episode, we'll go through books five through eight and seasons five through eight. And I'm sure you already suspect that books five through eight do not go hand in hand with this show. <laughs> but uh, we'll walk through what maybe what's similar. And it is it is really interesting to see how different the books are from the show. I would say tune in for that because it, it keeps getting interesting and, and odd in the Jeff Lindsay books. But um, but I do recommend, I know that I've been kind of a little, maybe a little hard on Jeff Lindsay when I say he's weird, but I like them. And obviously I read all eight books, so if I would have hated them, I wouldn't have gotten past whatever book I hated the most. So <laughs> I, if I wouldn't have liked it, I wouldn't have kept going. But I like, I like it. I like the books. I'm glad that I read them. I had read the first three or four and I decided to go back and reread them when I was doing this series. And they're, they're still fun reads. It's still, he's really good with Dexter. He's really good at setting up the characters. He he has, um, he's just, Dexter's just fun, whether he's in the book or the show. Both do, the show does a really good job of, of capturing the Dexter that's in the books. And Jeff did a phenomenal job at making Dexter, Dexter. So I definitely recommend reading them. If, you, if you're excited, I think you got about two weeks before I come out with the uh, the next one. So uh, you better get reading if you want to read uh, books 5 through 8, or books 1 through 8. And uh, again, they are Darkly Dreaming Dexter, Dearly Devoted Dexter, Dexter in the Dark, and Dexter by Design. Thank you as always for tuning in, and I will see you again soon. Thank you for entering the lab. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and murderlabmedia.com for updates. Share with your friends. Those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. Surprise, motherfucker!